0: And it takes God to take that blindfold off. Hallelujah. Will you pray for us this week? Amen. We'll be back. I'll be back. My wife's not going. I will be back December the 23rd. Um, So this is my last chance to address the congregation. Uh, Those that are here upstairs this morning um, on the subject of the Lord's birth. We know. And understand, and I've had folks criticize me and tell me, well, Jesus wasn't born December 25th. And I, I understand all that. I understand it's very, very unlikely that he was born at that time. And uh, I've had them tell me, well, uh, he never commanded us to celebrate his birth. And I understand that too. But I do know the angels celebrated it. I know the shepherds celebrated it. I know the wise men were happy about it, and God never condemned any of them. In fact, God sent the angels to celebrate. So I, I and I understand it's not, he most likely wasn't born December 25th. I understand all of that. But you know, I, I've told people if I adopted a child and didn't know his birthday, I'd pick a day. I wouldn't tell people that's the child's birthday, but that is the day we celebrate his birthday. So I have no problem celebrating what is the single most phenomenal event in history. I understand the importance of Calvary. But Calvary couldn't have happened had it not been for Bethlehem. Right. He had to take on a robe of flesh in order to sacrifice himself. Right. He couldn't die as a spirit. He had to become flesh. That happened. That happened at Bethlehem, and I thank God for that. Praise God. So, having said all that, I'm going to take you to a passage of scripture that you're going to think now. I thought you said you were going to talk about the Lord's birth, uh, because what I'm about to read sounds um, nothing like what we call this Christmas story. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and we're going to begin reading with verse number 8. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 8. I do want, while you're turning there, to just remind everyone that tonight is our annual Christmas banquet and program. Uh, We will come in here and start praying about 5.30 this evening, but then 6 o'clock we're going to be downstairs. And uh, there's a big program that is planned, uh, but there's also a big meal that is planned. And all of our guests are invited to come and join us want you to be a part of that. Um, there will be no charge to our guests. We want you to come and enjoy some good food um, and then program. And if time will allow, I'm going to try to preach a little bit before we're done. Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 8. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. As it is written, he hath dispersed abroad, he hath given to the poor, his righteousness remaineth forever. Now he that ministereth seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food, and multiply your seed sown, and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causeth through us thanksgiving to God. For the administration of this service not only supplieth the want of the saints, but is abundant also by many thanksgivings unto God. Whilst by the experiment of this ministration, they glorify God for your professed subjection into the gospel of Christ and for your liberal distribution unto them and unto all men and by their prayer for you which long after you for the exceeding grace of God in you thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift well hallelujah hallelujah thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. And that's what I want to talk to you about for a while this morning is an unspeakable gift. Could we just put our Bibles down, lift our hands, lift our voices. Let's let's ask the Lord to speak. Saints, I need your help this morning. I'm reaching for somebody. Can we pray together? Everybody, let's pray. Let's talk to God. Come on, let's lift our hearts. Let's lift our voices to the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's worship the Lord. Let's worship the Lord. Let's worship the Lord. I praise you, Master. I praise you, Master. Oh, God, you're so wonderful. You are so wonderful. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Amen, amen, amen. I do believe the Lord wants to touch us and talk to us today. Amen. Praise God. But I do need your help. Preaching is not supposed to be a one-man show. I need the help of the good saints of God today. Praise God. Amen. In fact, my voice is struggling a little bit this morning. It's been a while since I've had some voice problems. Seems like it happens every time I get ready to go to Africa. Uh, But but, uh, anyhow, we'll deal with it. We'll get through it somehow. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Before I actually get to what I want to talk to you about this morning, before I get to the real message that is burning on my heart, I want, I want us to look at the passage at hand. I want us to consider for a few moments these verses of scripture that we have read in your hearing. Now, around here, we, we have Bible study on Sunday morning, and so we encourage you to get your Bible and to follow along. It's important that you not just take someone's word for what's being said, but that you see that it's in the word of God. That's right. That's right. I tell folks often that's how cults are formed because people don't search it out for themselves. They don't look through the scripture for themselves. There is no authority that exceeds the authority of God's word. There's no authority higher than God's word for two reasons. Number one, he magnified his word even above all his name. Now We're people of the name. We believe in the power of the name. But the Bible says he magnified his word even above his name. And secondly, because in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Hallelujah. So there's no authority higher than the Word of God. And when someone tries to create doctrines that go against the Scripture, they're wrong. The Scripture's right. But we're not going to know that if we don't study the Scripture for ourselves. Study. To show thyself approved unto God. A workman that... Needeth not to be ashamed Rightly dividing the word of truth Praise God So follow along We're in 1 Corinthians 9 And we're going to look at some other verses along the way But you could just kind of earmark this somehow Because we're going to keep coming back to this for just a few moments As we look at Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter, or 2 Corinthians, I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. uh, When you read this entire chapter, which we won't take the time to do, but when you do read the entire chapter, it should become clear to you that what Paul is really talking about is giving. He's addressing the subject of offerings. Now don't, don't tighten up. I'm not going to preach to you about offerings this morning. So don't don't get nervous. Your billfold is safe. Praise God. Um, But that is what Paul's talking about. That is the subject of 2 Corinthians chapter 9. In fact, let's look at just a few verses here. Verse 1.
1: For as such, the ministry uh, to the saints, it is superfluous for me to write to
0: you. For us touching the ministry to the saints. It's superfluous for me to write. Now, th- this term ministry to the saints. He is, this whole chapter is talking about receiving offerings to help the saints that are struggling in Jerusalem. And, and this was something that all of the churches did in Paul's day. And even when Paul went into non-Jewish cities... He would encourage them to help these struggling saints in Jerusalem. And and so that's what he's talking about, ministering to the saints. He's really talking about contributing to their welfare. In fact, another translation says, I don't need to write to you about the money you plan to give for God's people. That's the subject. That's the topic giving money and and paul is saying to the corinthians you understand all this and and really it, it it's it's unnecessary it's superfluous it's it's unneeded for me to have to address this because you understand it and you practice it but but nevertheless we, we're going to talk about it just a little bit i i, I understand paul's mindset you uh, you folks have heard me say we've always believed this we haven't changed but it still doesn't hurt for us to hear it again once in a while Whatever the topic is, if we're, if we're dealing with apostolic doctrine, if we're dealing with certain principles of Scripture, you've, you've heard me make that statement. We know it, we understand it, but it's good for us to hear it again. And that's really what Paul's saying. You understand this, you know what to do, you do it, but let's talk about it for just a few minutes and, and just cover a few facts about it. So that's, that's the way he opens
1: chapter 9. Then we get down to verse 6. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. And he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. This is the law of the harvest. It's, it's what we call it, the law of the harvest. You sow
0: sparingly, you're going to reap sparingly. You reap in accordance with the amount that you sow. It's true of everything in life. Everything in life. Well, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I was talking to someone just recently. I said, you know, there's no way a church can have revival if people are not willing to invest their time in that church. They've got to. They've got to be willing to make some sacrifices. They've got to be willing to give up some of their free time to do some things around the house of God. Because we are going to reap based on how much we sow. That's not just monetarily. It's everything. The amount of effort we put into a service determines how much blessing we get out of that service. Well, hallelujah. If we just come for the show, we're not going to get a whole lot out of it. But if we come and pour ourselves into the worship of the King of Kings, I promise you, he's going to turn around and pour himself into you. If we sow sparingly, we reap sparingly. If we sow bountifully, we reap bountifully and and so this is but it is true it's a true principle across the board but it was written specifically about our financial giving our monetary contributions that's see how quiet it gets when I say that
1: well then then verse seven says Every man according as he purposeth in his heart. Is that verse?
0: Yes. All right. Every man. I'm sorry. I wasn't through. Go ahead. Yeah, we're getting there. Verse 7. Read it again. I'm sorry.
1: Every man according as he purposeth in his heart. Right. So let him give. So let him give. Not grudgingly. Not grudgingly. Or of necessity. Or of necessity. For God loveth the cheerful giver. God
0: loves a what? That's why I've, I've tried to encourage the, 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 the uh, preachers that are coming up in this congregation. When, when you get up at offering time, don't say we're going to take up an offering. I don't want to take it. If you don't want to give it, I don't want to take it. We will receive an offering. Because God loves a cheerful giver. I'm not going to put pressure on people to give. I'm not going to shame you into giving. Because God doesn't want that kind of giving. God wants a cheerful giver. In fact, this word cheerful is really pretty interesting in the scripture. Because it really means hilarious. It it, it means to be able to to, to find it so uh, enjoyable as to laugh while you do it that's right when when, when you're having to cry and and, and kiss Abe Lincoln goodbye before you drop him in the offering plate there's a problem there there's a problem there Um, in fact a lot of times it's not Abe Lincoln that gets dropped in the offering plate George Washington is George Washington has slept in a lot of churches I can promise you Well, I'm not, look, I I promise you, I'm not here to talk to you or shame you into giving. I'm just trying to show you something, that God wants to put something in the hearts of his people that causes us to want to give. And again, it's not just financial, but God wants there to be something in my heart, I want to give. Give My time to you Brother Brandon I want to give My assistance to you I want to do What I can do I want to give I want to be a giver I want to be a happy giver I want to be a Cheerful giver Amen And so that's, that's This whole chapter Is about giving Giving, giving but then he gets down to the end and he lets us know that God is not asking us to do something he himself was not more than willing
1: to do. Well, what does verse 15 say? Thanks be unto God. Thanks be unto God for his for his gift. For his gift.
0: Paul says we ought to be givers. We ought to give. We ought to give every opportunity we have. We ought to just have something in our heart that overflows. We want to make that investment. We want to do what we can do. We want to give of our time. Give of our talent. Give of our resources. We want to give, give, give. Why? Because God gave. You know, we sing to be like Jesus. To be like Jesus, on earth I long to be like him. Well, let me tell you something about him. He was a giver. Well, he was a giver. If we want to be like Jesus, we've got to be givers. Oh, praise God. I'm telling you. Listen, and I want to be careful. I really have to be careful. I'm getting to be such an old fogey anymore. Uh, Something happened. uh, I don't know, between 50, 55, somewhere in there. I don't know. Something happened to me. And I'm turning into an old fogey where I just keep talking about this generation, this generation, and it's i you know i i I can't help it it's just i look around and i see things so different than what they were but we literally have arrived at a time it's not just kids it's not just teenagers but it's adults that everything has to be about me it's all about me what can you do for me what does this church have to offer me I get phone calls like that. People say, we've just moved into town. We want to know, what does your church offer us? Um, Salvation. That ought to be pretty important. That ought to be number one on the list. Truth. Hallelujah.
1: Hallelujah.
0: Those are not the things they're looking for when they ask that kind of question. What kind of youth program do you offer? What, kind of, what, do, you, what do you offer for, for singles? What do you offer for this group? What do you offer for that group? It's all about me. And I, like I said, it's not just children. It's not just young people. But, but we've arrived at this because this is the mindset of so many adults. What do I get out of this? Listen to me. I'm, I'm, I want you to hear me. Hear me. And I shouldn't have to qualify this. If I can't preach this, then I am in trouble. But but the reason divorce is so rampant today is because everybody is in the marriage for me. I'm not getting out of this what I want. Well it got quiet again. I I, I, I know. But it's the truth. Now I know there are I know there are circumstances, I know there are situations. Please don't read into what I'm saying. I know there really are. There are those that are unfaithful. Why are they unfaithful? Because they're interested in me. They're focused on themselves. That's it. But I'm telling you, I'm telling you, there's something about it when I watch, and I've seen it time and again. I've seen elderly couples, one of them be bedfast, one of them perhaps not even aware of what's going on, but their spouse of 50 years sat by their bedside, hold their hand, talk to them, tell them how beautiful they are. What is that spouse getting out of this marriage? Everyone says, how beautiful, how beautiful. Well, it is beautiful reach that point by living for themselves for 50 years well I'm way off where I plan to go but I'm just preaching what I feel right now but I'm telling you that there's something we've got to understand if we truly want to wear the title Christian Christ like then we need to learn to get our eyes off of us Where are, where are the the presidents, the political candidates that will stand up and say to America what John F. Kennedy said, ask not what your country can do for you, but ask what you can do for your country. Where are men to say that today? Where are the preachers that will stand up and say, don't ask me about what we can do for you, but ask me what can you do for us? Not me personally. For the kingdom of God, you understand? For the, what can you do for the kingdom of God? That ought to be our focus. I want to be a giver. I want to be a giver. I want there to be something in my heart that I'm anxious to help someone else. I'm anxious to do something for somebody else. Paul went through this whole chapter about giving and concluded it by simply dropping this not so subtle hint. I can ask you to give because God gave. And he didn't give just a little bit. He didn't just give us the leftovers. He didn't just give us some little token of appreciation. But he gave us a gift so great we can't really even put it into words. What God gave us Paul said, and he gave us, read that again, thanks be unto God, verse 15, thanks Thanks be be unto God God
1: for his his
0: unspeakable unspeakable gift." gift, what a giver, what a giver our God is, what a giver our God is. You know, the word unspeakable literally in the Greek means indescribable. In fact, I, I really like the way, and, and I, don't, I don't like everything about this version, but sometimes these, these other versions get it right. And, and I really like the way the contemporary English version translates this verse. They say, thank God for his gift that is too wonderful for words. Hallelujah. Hallelujah thank god for a gift that i just can't find the terms to really describe it thank god for a gift that goes beyond my vocabulary i'm telling you church i I I don't have the terminology to properly describe just how great this gift is that god gave to us oh hallelujah hallelujah what did god give well, let's start with John three sixteen. Let's start there. Let's For start there. What did God give? For
1: God so loved For God the world. God
0: so loved. God so loved the world that He gave. That He. God so loved that He. Listen, that's the real problem. You hear me? I'm not trying to be offensive. But the reason we don't give to something is because we don't really love it. But when we love it, we don't mind giving. We don't mind giving. Well, look, look, look. I love being a grandparent. And I I don't mind telling you, when those grandbabies come around, grandpa looks for things I can get for them. I look for things I can buy for them. You hear me? I'm thinking about what can I do for them? What can I get for them? Why? Because I love them. That's why. I, uh, I shook my head last night. We were at, at, at the uh, practice uh, yesterday afternoon. And, and uh, after it was all over with, little Camden's running around there. And, uh, and, and, and he's wanting something really, really bad. And, and so his mama won't give it to him. So you know what he does? He looks around. He sees grandpa. And he throws his arms up in the air. And I pick him up. And he points at what he wants. He's not old enough yet to put it all in the way. He says this, but everything's this. This, this, this. Okay, this. I don't know what this is, but I knew what he was wanting. Mom had already said no, and I'm not going to go against what mama said. And, and, and so, so he's, he's pointing this, this, and he sees grandpa's not going. So you know what he did? How old is he? A year and a half, 16 months. See, you're supposed to know that. All right. So, so, so 16 months old and, and I, I picked him up and I'm not going where he wants me to go. So you know what he did? He threw his arms around my neck and hugged me. Well, that's hard to refuse, you know. That's, that's hard to refuse. And I thought at 16, he's already learned. Because, I mean, as soon as he got through hugging me, he, this. <laughs> he, he thought it, was, it, it didn't work, unfortunately. But he thought he was going to bribe me with a hug. But I'm going to tell you what, it sure did melt my heart. And I'm going to tell you, everything in me wants to give, wants to give because I love that little boy. I love that little boy. I'm telling you, I love all of my grandkids. And I want to give, I want to give, I want to give. For God so loved. God didn't look down at this world and say, what can you do for me? That's why I've said over and over, God is not the same as Allah. They are not the same God. Allah tells his people, you can get to heaven by dying for me. You die for me. The God I serve said, I want you to go to heaven, so I'll die for you. That's a big difference. Well,
1: God so loved that he gave. And what did he give? His only, begotten, his only Son, begotten Son. That whosoever believeth whosoever in him should, believe not perish, him should not perish. But have everlasting well, I didn't life. put this one in, in there, but
0: you better go find 1 John 3.16 so we can really deal with what this verse is saying. A lot of folks can quote John 3.16, but they have no clue what 1 John 3.16 says. Same writer. Three chapters into his writing. 16 verses into the third chapter. Of course, man divided all the chapters, and you understand, but... If you know John 316 you need to make it. You need to make a purpose in your heart. You're going to learn 1 John 316. Here's what 1 John 316 says.
1: Hereby. Hereby
0: perceive we the love, we the of, God, love of
1: God. Because he laid This is how we
0: know that God loves us. How? Because he laid because down his life. Not for he us. looked around heaven trying to find somebody else to go do the dirty work while he stayed safe and secure on his throne. But we know God loves us because he laid down his life for us. That's how I know my God loves me. Oh, Lord, I don't know if I'm going to get into this lesson with what I'm feeling. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Listen. As much as you love Camden, as much as you love that little boy, all right. I, 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 want, I want you to think, I want, I want you as a church to think about this. Let's suppose Camden's older. Let's suppose that he's 15, 16 years old, old enough to do some things, all right? And, and we're here in this sanctuary, and this building catches on fire. And the only people that escape is Brother Brandon and his son Camden. And we're, we're bound. We can't get out of this building. But they're on the outside safe. How much love is it for Brother Brandon to holler through the door, Don't worry, I'm sending Camden to get you. How much love is that? That's not love, is it? I'll be honest, that's cowardice. But what we see in 1 John 3.16 is a clear understanding that God didn't ask somebody else to do this. I know I'm going to have to clear this up now, so you're going to have to just forget the notes and get your Bible. I'm going to have to clear all this up. John 4 and 24. Let's go to John 4 and 24. I didn't intend on getting on all this this morning. That's all right. I always tell the Lord, Lord, it's, it's yours. It's open. I don't care about my notes. You just direct me where you want me to be. So, so that, that's okay. John 4 and 24 tells us who God is. Now, if anybody knows who God is, Jesus does. Can we all agree on that? If anybody knows who God is, if anybody knows what God is, Jesus does. All right? What does he say in John 4 and 24? In fact, let's start with verse 23. Let's back up to verse 23. I know they've already got 24 on the wall, but go back. Josh needs a good workout today, anyhow. So he's, he's been getting lazy back there. So we're going to keep him on the ball. All right. John, John I want to make sure you're giving today. All right. All right. John 4 and 23. Read. But the hour cometh. And now he's. Read. Read. I'm waiting on you to read. John 4 and 23. What'd you do? Change the page? It's only one verse before. John 4 and
1: 23. For the hour cometh. For the hour cometh. And now when, is now is when uh-huh. the true, the true shall worship the Father shall worship in who and in truth. shall worship who? The Father. Sh- shall worship who? The Father.
0: So who are we talking about? God. Who are we talking about? God. We're talking about the Father, right? They shall worship the Father spirit and, in spirit and truth. It's the Father that has to be worshipped in spirit and truth. Read?
1: For the Father
0: For the Father, to worship. we're talking about the Father. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a God, spirit. so we haven't changed subjects. This is the very next verse we're still talking about the Father.
1: God, the Father, is a spirit. Is what?
0: You should say God is three persons. I mean, that's what so many people teach. God is three persons. But did you notice that Jesus not only did not say God is three persons, he didn't even say God is a person. Did he? He didn't say God's a person. He said God's a spirit. You know there's a difference between a person and a spirit? Now, we want to talk about God, the Father, we're going to have to define him the way Jesus did. God is a spirit. A spirit doesn't have flesh. A spirit doesn't have blood. There's no way a spirit can die. Are you with me? This is way off my message, but really I guess it's not because we're talking about that unspeakable gift. And I'm just letting you know just how unspeakable this is, just how too wonderful for words this really is. Amen. This may be more important. It is more important than where I was going anyhow. But, 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 but all right. So God the Father is... A spirit, And just in case you think he may have changed subjects, you see, they that worship him must worship him in spirit. Same thing he just said about the Father. The Father seeketh those that worship in spirit and truth. So he's talking about the Father. The Father is a spirit. The Father is a spirit. So when we talk about the Father, we need to think... Some of you got it. Let's try that again. When we read about the Father, we should think... That's better. All right. So you got 100% on that test. Wonderful. Let's see if you can pass the next one. So that's the Father. The Father is a spirit. Luke one thirty-five. Luke 1 and 35. And uh, let's see what the Bible says about the Son.
1: Luke 1.35. And the angel answered. The angel answered. Said to her. Said to her. The Holy Ghost. This is unto Mary. Mary. See, we're back on the Christmas story.
0: The angel says to Mary. The Holy Ghost. Wait, 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 wait. Wait, wait, wait. Who's going to overshadow Mary? The Holy Ghost. Who's going to overshadow Mary? What does it say there?
1: The Holy Ghost.
0: Okay, now wait a minute. People tell me there's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. Three different persons. What he just read is that the Holy Ghost was the one that was going to come on Mary. That the Holy Ghost is the one that's going to cause her to be with child. Now, look, you know what I've learned? I mean, it's amazing the lessons that I, I grant, I, I, I'm granted by traveling all around the world. I've learned that, that even when I'm in Africa, uh, let's see, I've been to Africa, I've been to Israel, I've been to Curaçao, I've been to Panama, um, I don't know what all countries I've been to, but, but I've been to a number of countries. And you know what I found out? It works the same way wherever you are. Whoever causes the woman to be with child, that one is the father. Isn't that amazing? Saint works the same all over the world. Whoever causes her to be with child, that's the father. Who caused Mary to be pregnant? The whole, wait a minute. The Holy Ghost caused Mary to be pregnant. So who was the father of this child? The Holy Ghost was the father of the child. Some of you are, Hesitant to answer that. Just connect the dots. The Holy Ghost is what came on Mary. The Holy Ghost was the father of this child. So who was Jesus' father? God the Father or God the Holy Ghost? After three different persons, then you've got a real problem. Jesus has two daddies. But if... God is a spirit and Holy Ghost, or Greek word pneuma, Holy Spirit, is a spirit, not a person. God the Father is the Holy One of Israel. Can't we say God the Father is the Holy Spirit? So we're not talking about two different people here—the Holy Ghost and the Father. That's the only conclusion we can arrive at. All right, but now let's let's go on. Let's read a little bit more about this. The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee.
1: Therefore, also therefore also,
0: that holy, that
1: holy thing which shall
0: be born of. He's talking to Mary. Mary, get this. The thing that is born from your womb, what comes out of your womb, read,
1: shall be called the Son of God. That's
0: what we call the Son of God. That which was born of Mary is what is the Son of God. Mary didn't give birth to a spirit mary is not the mother of god mary is the mother of the son of god well i'm in the book i'm in the book this is what the book says that holy thing that shall be born of mary what did mary give birth to i know that's not good grammar to what did mary give birth to flesh what she gave birth to was a human flesh, but not just any human, not a human like me and you, like you and me. It's not you and I, by the way, what we're on grammar. It's you and me, not like you and me. I don't, I'm not going to teach grammar, but anyhow, that is correct. It's not like you and me. Want to get back into the grammar class? I can't do that. All right. So, so it's not a human being like you and me. This is different because for each of us, we had an earthly father. But for this fleshly body that was born, he didn't have an earthly father. His father was a spirit. So what we learn is the father is a spirit. And the Son is the flesh. Now go to Second Corinthians 5:19, and let's put this whole thing together, and we understand in three verses of Scripture, the totality of the Godhead. Second Corinthians chapter five and verse 19 says, "To wit, to wit.
1: That that, God, wait a
0: minute, wait a minute. don't do this too fast. To wit that God. God, that's the Father. That's the Thank you. Thank you. Some of you got it. All right, So to wit that the spirit.
1: Was in, Christ. was
0: in Christ that's the son that's the flesh to wit that the spirit was in the flesh reconciling the, the world, world to himself. unto himself not, not themselves him. but himself it was one he had a spirit he meant an omnipresent spirit an omnipotent spirit an omniscient spirit that's the Flesh and you have spirit, but you're not two different people. Your spirit is not the same as your flesh. Your flesh is not the same as your spirit. But you're not two different people. I don't have time to teach a lesson on the Godhead this morning, dear Lord. This is near, not where I intended to go. But, but I'm just telling you, when we really understand the magnitude of what God did, God did not sit in heaven and say, you go down and die for them. God said, it's going to require flesh and blood. That's something I don't have. But I tell you what, I'll take it on. I'll put on a coat of flesh and I will go down there and I'm going to do it. I'm going to suffer. I'm going to take the pain. I'm going to bear the sin. I'm going to die so that they don't have to. Listen, friend, that is an unspeakable gift uh, to think that the God of glory would
1: do this for me.
0: Oh, hallelujah. hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Listen. Listen. The story of what happened in Bethlehem is so much more beautiful when you understand this was not a second person. In fact, I challenge you to find where Jesus ever identified himself as the second anything. I challenge you. Find it in your Bible. You find for me where Jesus ever called himself the second anything. I tell you what he did say, when John was on the Isle of Patmos and he's caught away in the spirit and he's seeing all kinds of things, he also hears a voice and the voice of that one, amen, who was clothed with, with, with white raiment had a voice that sounded like thunder. That one said unto him, I am Alpha and Omega. I am the beginning. I am the end, I am the first, and I am the last. He never said I'm the second. He's first and last. And you know what that means? I'm everything. That's what I was telling somebody. Somebody was talking to me recently. You know, this mission endeavor that we have, uh, that has just erupted. Uh, from our first visit to Zimbabwe in a year and a half ago, two year, two and a half, whatever, how long ago it's been, um, that this, this mission endeavor we, from the beginning, called it A to Z, Apostolics to Zimbabwe. And, and somebody told me not long ago, so you're going to have to change the name of it because now you're in Malawi, you're in Botswana, uh, headed to, to um, Zambia and South Africa, now going to, to Liberia. So you have to change the name. It's not just Apostolics to Zimbabwe. I said, no, no. I knew what I was doing when I chose the name A to Z. It ties us back to where we began But it also says if it's A to Z, it's everything in between. Well, so anywhere from Angola to Zambia, it's anything in between is included in A to Z. And that's what Jesus said I am Alpha and Omega. That's the first and last letters of the Greek alphabet. It's the same as saying I am A to Z, I'm everything. He is the Father. He is the Son. He is the Holy Ghost. It didn't take a committee. He said, I, the Lord, stretch forth the heavens alone. He didn't have to have somebody else tell him how to do it. And when we understand that that one God, somebody said, well, then heaven was empty. No, no, no. You missed point number one. When he was on earth, heaven was not empty. You missed point number one. What was point number one? God is a what? That spirit never ceased to fill the universe. That spirit that spirit never stopped being omnipresent. Well, In fact, I'm going to prove it to you. John chapter 3. I'm going to prove it to you. I'm going to prove it to you. That spirit never ceased to be omnipresent. And that's why somebody said, well, look here, Jesus' baptism. There's a voice from heaven. He's in the water. Okay, let's go to John 3.13. Let's go to John 3.13. What did he say? John 3.13, Jesus is speaking.
1: All right, read. And no man hath ascended ascended up ascended up to heaven. But he that, Except came the one that came down from, from, from heaven, even, even the, son of, the man, son of man. Now listen to this:
0: which, which is? Wait, in, which? 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 What is that word? Not was. Not past tense. He's standing on the earth talking to Nicodemus. But he said, "While I'm talking to you, I want you to understand. I also, right now, am in heaven." That's right. Even the Son of Man, which is, present tense, is in heaven. Hallelujah. That's why he can speak from heaven while he's still walking on earth. This is not complicated. It's really very easy. It gets complicated when you try to make it three separate persons. And that's why those who teach that will tell you that's a mystery you cannot understand. No, no. This is not, this is not hard. This is not difficult. There's one God. There's one God. Hear, O Israel. Hear, O Israel. The Lord our God is one Lord. That is is it. In fact... In fact, in the book of Mark, when they came to Jesus and they wanted to know what is the greatest of all of the commandments, I like the way that Mark put it. Uh, you can read. Let's start. This is Mark chapter 12. I'm sorry, Mark chapter 12, verse 29. Let's read verses 29 and 30, just so you get the understanding. Mark 12, verse 29 and 30. Here's what he said.
1: Jesus answered him. The first. Wait, wait, wait.
0: wait, wait. I'm sorry. 28 and 29.
1: I'm sorry. 28 and 29. Read. And one of the scribes scribes. and having heard them reasoning together, and perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him. So this man asks him. Which is the first commandment of all? Look,
0: he asked Jesus a question. There's more than 600 commandments in the scripture. And I want to know, out of these 600 plus commandments, which one is number one? What is the most important commandment? And I know how some of the other gospel writers put it. What they did, you can trace it back. They jumped into the middle of a sentence. Look at it. Find out what they wrote, what Matthew wrote, what they wrote. They go back to Deuteronomy 6 and 5, which is the middle of a sentence. Mark chose to include the entire sentence. There's no contradiction here. Mark's just... Haven't we talked about that? We've, we've dealt with that how many times in our Sunday morning Bible class? We've dealt with that. There's no contradiction, just additional information mark's adding additional information he wants to make sure everybody knows that the great commandment that commandment is verses four and five even though matthew only chose to include verse five the commandment is verses four and five so mark tells us the commandment the question what is the first of all 600 plus commandments what's the most important one in the book and Jesus answered in verse 29
1: Jesus answered in the first the of all, first the, commandments of all is, the
0: commandments is here, O Israel the Lord our, the God, Lord is our Lord. God is one Lord that's number one that's the top of the list that's higher than thou shalt not kill that's higher than thou shalt not commit adultery that's higher than thou shalt not lie that's higher than thou shalt keep the Sabbath day that is the number one commandment in all the word of God is that there's only one Lord and when we try to make him three we are going against everything the Bible teaches because God is not three he's not three and I'm going to tell you if there ought to be any time of the year that we are thankful for this one God message it ought to be when we're commemorating the birth of that one God who was a spirit, as a spirit he couldn't feel pain, as a spirit he couldn't shed blood, as a spirit he didn't have burdens, as a spirit he never got tired, as a spirit he never got hungry. But he said, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to quit being what I am, but I'm going to become something else on top of that, and I'm going to go down there and be one of them, and I'm going to feel what they feel. I'm going to know what they are going through. I'm going to walk that path, and I'm going to go further than what they have to go. I'm going to take more punishment than they have to take. I'm going to go through things they won't have to go through. Why? Why? For God so loved that he gave. What did he give? He gave a gift that is unspeakable. I'm telling you, this is too great for the mind. He meant to really encompass all of it. I thank God that I've got a revelation of who he is. But I'm just telling you, this is bigger than what my mind can really comprehend. To think that the God of glory, who filled the universe, fashioned a womb, and then got inside of it. Oh, wonder of wonders, how can this be that God became flesh and was given for me? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That tiny hand that held to Mary's dwelling in that fleshly hand was another hand, a hand that had parted the Red Sea. That little voice that cried out from the manger, that was a human voice. But residing within that human voice was a voice that had thundered from the top of Mount Sinai and said, Moses, take your shoes off. This is holy ground. Are you hearing me today? Wonder of wonders. What a beautiful story. What a wonderful thought. Oh God, that you cared enough for us that you came down here. walked among us and gave yourself for us oh hallelujah let's just thank him for a moment can we i think my time's just about up let's just thank the lord let's thank the lord i love you jesus all right all right all right I, i know i know my time's up we gotta have time we gotta have time for an altar call. But there is there is there is one more passage. I want you to get out of your Bible. And, and I'm just going to confirm all this. And I'm going to wrap it all together here. One more thing that I want to show you here. I hope just one more passage. You're probably hoping the same thing. All right. Uh, go to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28.
1: And let's start with verse 18. Matthew 28 and 18. And Jesus came and Jesus spake came. unto them saying and he said to them all power all power is given all, to me everyone say all, all. everyone say all. all
0: is there anything left when you've got all is there anything else that anybody's got if you've got all well there's a couple of you that understood that let's try again if you have it all how much does anybody else have there is a difference between sharing all power and having all power. And he didn't say, all power is shared by me. I've got it all. All power is given unto me in heaven, heaven and, in, and earth. in earth. Verse 19. Go, ye, go ye, therefore, ye, wait, go ye. Therefore. Go ye. Therefore. Words mean things. Words mean things. Therefore, because of what I just said, what did he just say? He just said, I have all power. Because I have all power, go therefore and teach teach all all nations, nations baptizing baptizing them in the in the one name, one name. There's no S on here. I've looked at it in the original. It's singular in the original too. It's just one name. Baptize them in the name of the Father. the Father. Now, of the Father, I don't want to get too complicated. Of the Father, this is genitive case. That means it shows possession. Another way to translate this would be the name which belongs to the Father. All right? So, baptize them in the name which belongs to the Father. And of the Son. Which belongs to the Son. And of the Holy Ghost. Which belongs to the Holy Ghost. The name, the one name that belongs to Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. There's one name. If they are three different persons, they can't all have one name. It'll get confusing. Hallelujah. You know, Sister Marion's sitting back there quiet. I need to pick on her for a moment. They've got five kids. Five kids. You know why they have five? Because they didn't want six. <laughs> they got five kids. Now, what would it be like? Only one of those is a boy. So, four girls. What would it be like if every one of those four girls was named Sue? I didn't do it, Sue did it. Right? Now listen, we don't have three persons who have the same name, but there is one name according to this. It is a singular name. There's only one name, and that one name belongs to Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Look, I stand before you today as a pastor, a husband, a son, a father, an uncle, a brother. Thank you. I sure don't want to forget that one. A grandfather. I stand before you as all those things, but yet I don't preach to you today as grandpa. And when I go and put my arm around uh, Reagan or Carter, I, I don't say, Your pastor loves you. I don't have a split personality, but I do fill more than one role. But whether it's pastor, uncle, brother, son, Grandpa, husband, cousin—whatever the role is—I still only have one name. Well, hallelujah! There's still only one name. Well, praise God! And what is that name? Well, Paul told us. Uh, uh, he he said that God hath highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every name. That at the name of. That at the name of. Jesus every knee should bow he said that's a name above every name that's above father that's above son that's above holy ghost Jesus that name is above every name the book of Acts tells us neither is there salvation in any other for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved there's only one name and the name is Jesus Jesus Hallelujah. Sister Regan, you're going to have to, we've got our other musicians are downstairs working, so so I'm going to have to call her out of retirement today. Amen. Praise God. Nothing against our other musicians, but she's still my favorite. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. It's just one name. It's just one name. In fact, the book of Ephesians, I told you just to be one more passage. So I'm not going to have him look up anymore. Book of Ephesians tells us that this is the name whereby the whole family in heaven and earth is named. There's only one name. John five and 43, Jesus said, I am come in my father's name. I'm come in my father's name. What name did he come in? Jesus. So what is his father's name? That's John 5 and 43. Matthew 1, She shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. So the name of the Son is John 14, 26. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name. So what name was the Holy Ghost sent in? Jesus. So the name of the Father is Jesus. The name of the Son is Jesus. The name of the Holy Ghost is Jesus. That's why you baptize in the name of Jesus. This is one of the things that we teach when we're in these seminars in, in Africa. And I, I, I ask him if I signed over a title to a piece of property to you, and I signed it Father, Son. scribes me, but it's not my name, is it? It's not any good till my name's on it. Another thing I tell them is the Bible says out of the mouth of two or three witnesses let every word be established. If you've got a doctrine that you pulled out of a scripture and you can't find at least one more verse of scripture to back that up, your doctrine's wrong. Not because that scripture's wrong, but you're evidently interpreting it wrong. You follow me? That's what they keep asking. So you're saying Matthew 28:19 is wrong? No, I'm saying you're interpreting Matthew 28:19 wrong because you don't have any other verses to back it up. I've challenged them all over the world to find for me just one more verse of scripture, just one, out of the mouth of two or three witnesses. That's all I ask for. Just one more. You got Matthew 28:19? Show me one more place in the Bible where they actually use those words to baptize anybody. And I'm telling you, all over the world, nobody's found one yet. You know why? It's not there. But when I tell you that Peter said you need to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, I can give you lots of witnesses, not just two or three. Acts 2, they were baptized in Jesus' name. Acts 8, they were baptized in Jesus' name. Acts 10, they were baptized in Jesus' name. Acts 19, they were baptized in Jesus' name. Acts 22, Paul gave his testimony, said he was baptized in Jesus' name. Well, I guess it's much difference between doing it man's way and doing it God's way, Good man? I'd rather do things God's way. And I'll tell you this, Acts 19, I referred to a while ago, those people had been baptized by John the Baptist. Jesus said there's no greater man ever born of woman than John the Baptist. John the Baptist baptized this group in Acts 19, and they still had to get baptized again because they had not been baptized in Jesus I don't care how many times you've been put in the water. If you hadn't been put in the water in Jesus' name, you really haven't been baptized according to the Bible. You need to get baptized. It's gotta be done the way the scripture tells us to be done. Well, hallelujah. I didn't, I didn't I didn't get through the I didn't touch these notes hardly today. But thank God for this gift that is unspeakable. Too wonderful for words, too wonderful for words. I can't describe how overjoyed I am that the God of heaven loved me enough that he came and paid the price for me. Well, hallelujah, that ought to make us feel a little special today. If God loved us enough that he himself would come and suffer and die. Let's stand. Let's stand this morning.
1: See, you love, you love, and whom, and whom, though now you see him, not, see him not, yet believe, you rejoice with, with joy unspeakable, joy unspeakable, full of glory. And full of glory.
0: I want to tell you that's what this gift is. You want to know what the gift is? Peter said, "Repent, Acts two thirty-eight. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, and ye shall receive the the gift." gift of the Holy Ghost see he didn't just give his life he's giving us his spirit as well and when he gives us his spirit we rejoice with joy unspeakable this is an unspeakable gift if you don't have the Holy Ghost this morning you can have it before you leave this service the Lord would love to give you this unspeakable gift he is still in the giving business he didn't stop giving at Bethlehem. He didn't stop giving at Calvary. But he started giving this wonderful gift on the day of Pentecost. And it's for you, verse 39 says. The promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. It's available if you want it. These altars are open this morning. Why don't we come? Why don't we come? In fact, the hour's late. Why don't we just all come down around the front? We invite our guests to join us. Why don't we all come find a place to pray? If nothing else, we can thank God for an unspeakable gift. If nothing else, we can once again let him know how much we appreciate what he's given to us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's talk to the Lord for a little while today. Praise God. Praise God. And his name, whose name? The name of the son. His name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Son. His name shall be the Father. And like I said, in the praise of peace. You know, I started off with that. Say amen. He is Alpha, which is first, and he is Omega, which is last. He'll probably be first and last. Nobody else could do that. I mean, I mentioned he is the Lion of the Tribe of Judah, but he's also the Lamb of God. How can you be both Lion and Lamb? He is our High Priest, but he's also our Sacrifice. How can you be both? The one doing the sacrifice and the one being sacrificed. Well, how can you be the lily of the valley and yet the rose of Sharon? Well, the same way you can be the father and the son. He is the root and offspring of David. He's both David's descendant and David's ancestor at the same time well hallelujah he's the only one that can do that but he doesn't because he's both spirit and flesh he was David's descendant according to the flesh David's ancestor according to the spirit he was the lamb of God according to the flesh but the lion of the tribe of Judah according to the spirit that's the way God for this wonderful revelation. God bless you. Appreciate so much each of you being here today. Again, I just want to remind you five.